Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. Remember how 15 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, I used all those savings to buy that golf club that swings for you. But now everyone who plays golf is really good because, you know, the club swings for you in, in the future, which is now. So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. Zencaster is a modern web-based solution for high-quality audio and video podcast production. With a full suite of professional tools, Zencaster allows podcasters to quickly and seamlessly record their guests remotely and produce their podcasts in studio quality. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi, this is Sean Cahill, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. So if you get a, a certain amount of data, right? I mentioned before, if it's over 30 points, now we can use statistical analysis, you know, to determine, could it be fake? You know, with 30 plus points, given these information, you could actually say with like mathematical certainty or not certainty, but close to mathematical certainty that it would be impossible to fake this, you know, but that we need more data. So I would say first thing is that like the easy kill, right? Uh, <laughs> is train people to do it better. Um, and then it would be on implementing better systems. So I've been working with Martin in Denmark. He's for Danish UAPR. Uh, and he's basically putting together a system um, with FLIR and prototyping it. Uh, so the idea, there's, there's a, there is a couple ideas, but the main idea is to fund whatever project we do with NFTs. And so that's why... Uh, Dan, I was I was excited to see you have uh, NFTs. You've you've made a few. That one is sweet too with Lou Elizondo. I like yeah, that thanks, one. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity, um, huge. And so a lot of people just don't understand NFTs, uh, and I think it would be an easy way to crowdfund. So the idea is to basically, uh, I'd like to send a satellite in a, into space. So basically, modify a SkyHub system. You know, uh, basically it's like right now it's a telescoping, uh, I'm sorry, fisheye lens that, that is going to point out something anomalous. Uh, and then it has a telescoping camera. And so you could do optical and FLIR next to each other. And if you separate them by like a meter, uh, you can get stereo vision. So like those multiple points I talked about, um, you can get that. So the idea is to mount that into a CubeSat. You can buy these CubeSats like already made for like 50,000 and then, modify it for space and then send it up and somehow make it so it can uh direct to the internet just video you know like nothing in between <laughs> like hardwired no one can interfere with it you know just like direct to the internet post this thing um and actually the way the system works is it could be zooming in 
uh, looking around. Um, and so the idea is you would get a image or video potentially of like a fleet of spacecraft entering earth, right? If, if it's real, um, or you could use it to maybe go over Skinwalker Ranch, right? Maybe they want, you know, maybe they want to buy some of the NFTs to fund it. Um, and, and I would put like the NFT avatar, like right out in front, you know, I want to like 3d print the avatar and like put him out in front. Like he's flying through space, <laughs> you know, like that'd be so awesome. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the basic idea. And, and Dan, you may know. So I want to make like I want uh, if we need like a million dollars, we're doing initial cost estimates. I think it'll be less than that. I think it'd be like five hundred thousand. If we do, if we sell a thousand NFTs, right? We mint eleven hundred, and then we sell a thousand. Uh, and we and I would like to get some ideas from the community, like uh, what to you. I was thinking five hundred were like parts of the CubeSat, and then the other five hundred would be cool, like normal avatars, you know, there'd be like 30 aliens, uh, 30 geese and ducks of different varying quality, you know, Canadian geese. We go through all the geese, <laughs> exotic species, uh, a lot of explosions, right? Cause chances are, it's not going to work. Get some blurry ones in there. Uh, and then you, you, you sell them for whatever we need. We say we need a million dollars. We sell a thousand of them for half an ETH. Uh, and then, and then if they somehow fund this project, you know, not only do they get to keep the NFT, uh, which hopefully will be sweet and go up in value or maybe build a community would be the idea. Um, but maybe maybe they funded the first project that actually like proved, you know, spacecrafts entering the earth, you know, that enter the earth. You know, how cool would that be? So and I like it skips all the bureaucracy. You know what I'm talking about, Dan? Like, so I'm going to mint the we make the NFTs, right? We make them It's almost free to make. Uh, we sell them. And then the idea is it would only fully fund, right? People's money would only come out when it's fully funded. Uh, but then you, you sell them and it's random. So anybody can buy it, make it like uh, half an ETH. So anyone can, if you can scrape together like 1500 bucks or whatever, you can help fund this project. So crowdfund it. And then there's no link, right? After that, the only thing we guarantee is an NFT, like nothing else. There's no bureaucracy. There's no, <laughs> there's no, we're not uh, sending you any emails or nothing. You know, it's like, we're going to take, all we can do is guarantee you as an NFT. Uh, and then we're going to just try really hard to make this happen. And it, it, it may not, right? We're talking satellites and sending stuff up. Everybody already says it's, you know, I can't do it. It's impossible. That's, whatever. that's what people say about all the coolest stuff in history though. <laughs> you gotta do it. Awesome anyway, man, just to make the, to make the NFT project and to bring it together. Uh, I think we can fund it easily, you know? I mean, my I, my CryptoPunk dance is ridiculously probably It's like a hundred ETH, you know. So if it gets to like, if uh, maybe I'll just sell my CryptoPunk. I was thinking to just sell it for for a little bit more than what we need, and then just send in that one into space, you know. So whoever buys it, he also he gets a, he gets a CryptoPunk, and we'll put it into space, right? And then you put it in front of the in the camera. So that's the idea. Um, there's a lot of stuff, uh, but I have some some pretty good contacts. My cousin designed the Mars Orbiter. I need to get him on board. Wow. Uh, and then my other cousin, he worked, he's written AI before. Uh, Martin's done a lot of this. Yeah, he sounds very um, experienced. Um, so, And Steve-O. He hasn't actually agreed yet, but he's uh, my kind of my personal hero. He was an F-16 pilot back in Aviano with me and in Alaska. So I think he's agreed as well. He lives in Texas. So that's that's our link to Houston uh, and talking to Musk. 
So the idea is we get this thing up, right? And then we just build a prototype. And then we go to Elon Musk and we're like, hey, man, you're testing the, star, you're testing the Starship. They'll, they'll be doing their orbital test next year. And so they'll hopefully need some test payloads, right? And so we just say, hey, man, will you take this for free? <laughs> you know, or we'll, uh, we'll send Correct. you some NFTs or something. Uh, Chris, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think a really uh, neat way to potentially get all this on one NFT would be make an exclusive Brandon Fugel NFT for $1 million and yeah. uh, just market it to one Mr. Fugel himself and see if he wants to buy his own Skinwalker NFT. His own Skinwalker. Um, yeah, before anyone we'll fly, else does. It, the goal will be just video Skinwalker, you know, and then, but at the same time, always be looking, right? Because I think uh, in order to get into orbit, you, it's every 90 minutes you're going around the Earth. Um, so like the IS, the idea is to have something like the ISS feed, uh, but a little more focused on looking for UAPs. And so, you know, I've been watching Kevin Canoose videos, uh, Lou's video on your channel was awesome, Andy, from last week, man. That was that was stupendous. Um, yeah, and I'm just going to say what I think is secret sauces. Uh, I was looking uh, very interesting, right? You talk about there's like this uh, sub 200 hertz somehow frequency stuff going on, infrasound. Uh, I was just looking into that. Very interesting, uh, because those are those super long wavelengths uh, I've been kind of mentioned in my last video. You know, what, what, is, the, what is past the radio waves? Um, and I don't know if we actually, I'm, I hope somebody knows, um, but I was looking into this and it, he mentions infrasound. So infrasound is less than 20 hertz, right? So super low. It's like thousands of kilometers. That's the wavelength. So I was like thousands of kilometers. Okay, that's pretty long. You know, that's like, that's state level for sure, you know? Um, and then the next one is, uh, was 10,000 kilometers is below 0.003 Hertz, I believe. So super, super low Hertz, super low frequency, and then 10,000 kilometers long. They called it ELF. I'd never heard of it. Extremely long, uh, frequencies. Um, but I, I watched another, uh, interview with Kevin Knuth. He was on the theories of everything. That's a very, very interesting uh, interesting interview as well. And he brought mm -hmm. up this 12 Hertz thing. That's something like, uh, there's some alpha channel in our brain, uh, but there's some frequency of our brain, uh, that's at 12 Hertz. If you use an EMF, uh, program, all this stuff. Um, so, so very interesting, which could be the, the longer waves, um, that we're looking for. And if you look at an infrared interferometer, um, basically it uses, it splits a laser, uh, and then if one line of the laser goes, is, is being impacted by gravity waves, then it, you basically impact the signal, right? So you can tell if gravity waves are going through, uh, which reminded me of like from the Ghostbusters, you know, that spinning PKE meter. I was like, holy shit, man, we need PKE meters or what? <laughs> like, this is what we actually need. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He wasn't That's laughing just... though, Lou. I, I guess I hate yeah. to laugh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm so new. Like I, I'm like the rookie, you know, a combat, you know, I haven't been shot at yet or hit or anything. Um, so I guess I, I don't mean to laugh, uh, about these things. Obviously it seems very serious. Um, but yeah. And let, maybe, maybe it. get in touch with Lou and tell him what your, tell him what your guess is. I think at this point, everyone's having a go at it and it's a little bit like, you know, when it's like a name the baby or what name the teddy bear competition at a fair and everyone's going, yeah, I think it's this. And I think it's this. That's, yes. that's not what bad. do you think? What, what do you think? Uh, I, I think what I think doesn't really matter too much. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, I think your one sounded quite good. Um, 
No, I don't think that's it, actually. He said uh, that's infrasound. Uh, he, said, but, he said simple. He said it was really simple. He said he said that's one way. So he said infrasound is one way. He's like, yeah, that's one way. But there's a simpler and more cost-effective way. Uh, and he says, like, when you hit your head, you're like, yeah, of course. Um, I think it's just a compass. I bet you have, like, it's, you know, because you look at these when they show up, I bet there's some serious gravitational waves. It's, it's obviously related to magnetism and electric, you know, the electromagnetic interactions that we don't fully understand um so i bet when they like appear or when they're doing something crazy and all these gamma bursts are going off i wouldn't be surprised if it's just screwing up the whole magnetic field there and if you just had like a 3d compass like a digital compass it could just point the satellite yeah is what i'm hoping right so i I mean i i don't know I i think we should be sharing information um hopefully they tell me what it is you know i don't mind if they get it first like that's fine but uh, I think he will. I think I think they'll share it. You know, it's just scary sharing information. Somebody in the group's always like, "No way, we can't do it." You know, so I just don't talk to the group, and then uh, everything works out fine. You know, so. Uh, well, listen, you're talking about uh, crazy ass theories, and I use yes. that language because on your own channel, Chris, <laughs> in the name. Recent, <laughs> yeah, in your most recent uh, video, uh, you called uh, Chris's crazy ass theory uh, on pretty much life dark matter and the universe (laughs) now if people want to see this in detail and i think you need to watch the video to get the full impact and effect of it absolutely be searching chris leto's channel on youtube it's chris l-e-h-t-o the links are in the description for this podcast as well go and watch that and then watch his other videos too on the gimbal go fast and all all that kind of stuff but do you want to tell us chris about your your most recent video that you said has been kind of it's been brewing for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah, I mean, um, I was very happy just to have really gotten it off my chest, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, that was the driving force, I think, for, for getting out there. I, I couldn't tell how to – there was something I felt like I had I had to, to relate or communicate or something. There's, I don't know. You know, I, I guess in my theory, I talk about, uh, you know, what is – how do we communicate at our level? And I think it's through thought. You know, we do it through words, words now, but, you know, with Neuralink, surely we'll get to, we'll just get to direct thought, um, uh, in the future. So yeah, that it really just, uh, made it. So it, for whatever reason, I was able to put all the pieces together at this point and release that video. I, I just felt lucky essentially, and just happy to get it out. You know, th- like before I published and I, and I was like processing it or anything, I like kept thinking I would die, you know, like, <laughs> like something was going to happen, you know, like I was driving somewhere, but, but it hadn't published. I, I don't know that you get like these crazy thoughts, but it, uh, I'm just feel very grateful, I guess. I'm grateful for YouTube and able to put it out. Uh, I'm so happy with it. So I, I love the idea and I, this won't ruin it because I'm going to explain it really badly, but you yeah. basically talk through the how Galileo, when he looked into his telescope, saw out into the universe, but then it was turned round and you look through a telescope the other way. It's like a microscope and you look down and essentially life exists on these different levels depending on size. And again, I'm not mathematical or, you know, Perfect. I don't use no, massive big great. words. Yeah, podcast guy, that's, you know, why I do this. Um, and you go from like these different structures like subatomic atomic then like organisms little microbes and then it goes up and then you get to the point where you're like human and that's where we are which is stating the obvious i think you say that as well 
it made me think of a few things. One was the cartoon show, The Magic School Bus, where basically all the school kids would get shrunk in a magic school bus and go inside the human body every week. Yes. And they would go they would go round and you would get to meet cells and organisms and all that kind of stuff. And if you've seen The Magic School Bus, they go in and the body is like a living thing. So again, but as the things within the body aware of the bigger living thing on the outside which is us and then what you're suggesting chris is that if you take those up levels where you go buildings is next but buildings aren't living as far as we know you then take it to planetary you go into solar systems and then if you if you know your astrology um astronomy sorry it's not astrology astronomy you go through your levels of clusters superclusters, galaxies universe universes and are these just all like a russian doll of life where every time you take off a level or add on a level it's just life upon life upon life the other one it made me think of because magic school bus is going down the way was the end of the first men in black movie yes if you remember when the camera pans out and it shows you our planet the galaxy the universe and it turns out we're just a marble inside you know we're just a galaxy inside a marble that a couple of aliens are playing with on another planet and it's just how things just keep going out and out and out. Have I explained that in any way sensibly? Yeah, it's pretty much right on. Um, it, yeah, the 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 big part is though that the life continues up. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah like you mentioned, the the key is it doesn't it doesn't stop at our level. That's that's and, and exactly that's, what you said. Yes, and that's something that many people talk about how the universe potentially is as a living thing. Um, and like w- when you look at like neurons in your brain when they fire and how much they look like these vast structures out in the universe or if you look at an iris or an eyeball you know when you zoom in it looks like a you know like galaxies and all that kind of stuff as well and it might just be that poetry of life that that's the way these things look and resemble each other but I, i do think you're sort of onto something with that to be honest amazing yeah i'm happy that uh, you and like so many other people have written me and just said it's a uh, they really agree with it you know because i you put that out there and you you just kind of obviously i was nervous about it um you know it's a it's a wildly different theory but like you said it just made it makes sense to me it's it it seems like something we can actually see and test you know which i just see with this the dark matter stuff they're just going kind of crazy you know they basically they're building this giant container of of heavy water under under the ground you know i don't even know how many thousands of gallons it has but heavy water is radioactive you know water essentially and it's to to try and catch these ghost neutrinos that they're looking for and somehow this will this will solve the dark matter uh mystery essentially you know because it's not really matter right it's a they call it dark matter but that's really the the overarching uh, name for the phenomenon that they're observing, uh, that there's too much mass essentially uh, that we can't see. Basically, there's all this mass out there that is invisible to us. And the problem is they're saying that it'll, it'll, it'll always be, or could always be invisible to us, you know, uh, which is just crazy. And, and instead they're looking smaller, you know, they're, they're trying to go down to neutrino level, which I guess would give you some, you know, it can give you some information about, about the higher dimensions, but you're just assuming that the dimension, you know, the information you're, you're getting from, from very small is, is correlating kind of directly to the higher dimensions, you know, uh, which, uh, and that was the biggest thing is, yeah. You, you used the word label there. And I think that's right. And I think that's a massive part of the problem we have in, in any aspect of, if you want to label it all as paranormal or phenomenon, as we, we put that human perspective on things. 
and ghosts, angels, demons, whatever they might be called, could all be one and the same sort of phenomenon. But they get pigeonholed and, you know, through the decades and centuries, mythology and folklore creates all this different stuff. Even like fairies, for example. I've had a guest talk about fairies in the past, but what is a fairy? If you're thinking Tinkerbell, yeah, probably not. However, if you're thinking, you know, entity or sprite from some other dimension or who knows, maybe that's maybe, maybe not. I'm a little on that kind of stuff. However, it goes into like orbs and all that kind of thing as well. And it's something Dan and I have talked about quite frequently. I do want to let Dan give you, he he had a, a quote um, that he's probably going to have to read word for word, I'm guessing, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll read it in a second. I, I sent it to, to Chris when he posted it because your theory, I loved it. And it immediately made me think of this one specific quote from, from a book series I love. But I, I just want to say, I really love the way that you're using the language of dimensions. Because whenever people talk about them, we always assume that, you know, we're going through this portal into this other world, another place. And that's not necessarily what people mean. You know, dimensional language, we, we could just be talking about shadow, about shadow biomes above and below us um, instead of, you know, these complete other worlds that you can pop through where they have these crazy creatures and so on and so forth. Um, but the, the quote they reminded me of was, uh, it, it goes something like this. I'll try and not mess, not to mess it up. Size defeats us for the fish. The lake in which he lives is the universe. What does the fish think when he is jerked up by the mouth through the silver limits of existence and into a new universe where the air drowns him and the light is blue madness where huge bipeds with no gills stuff it into a suffocating box and cover it with wet weeds to die. Or one might take the tip of a pencil and magnify it. One reaches the point where a stunning realization strikes home. The pencil tip is not solid. It's composed of atoms which whirl and revolve like a trillion demon planets. What seems solid to us is actually only a loose net held together by gravity. Viewed at their actual size, the distances between these atoms might become league, gulfs, eons. The atoms themselves are composed of nuclei, and revolving protons and electrons, one may go down further to subatomic particles. And then to what? Tachyons? Nothing? Of course not. Everything in the universe denies nothing. To suggest an ending is the one absurdity. Yeah, that's amazing. I thought, you know, I thought of the the Big Bang. You know, the singularity. Uh, and, and it reminds me, you know, I've always thought of, and I've always kind of talked trash about the Big Bang, but quietly, you know. <laughs> Uh, because it's hard and especially just recently, it seems like people's minds have kind of been broken a little bit, you know, not broken, but, uh, the, the dogma has been, they're willing to to think of other, uh, other prospects, you know, but the, yeah, the, the thing that surprised me about the big bang is as I imagined like a little cell in your body. And maybe this is where the idea came from, you know, but I imagine like a little cell in your body, um, say like on your heart somehow is able to manage, like get together some material, you know, and then, and then bend light like we have, you know, and they make like this lens, you know, and they have like, they fashioned like a, a cellular telescope, you know, it's kind of what I imagine. Uh, and then they, they look out, you know, and they're like, uh, yeah, I know exactly when Chris Leto was born, you know, that's basically what I, what I hear them tell is telling us, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, do you know what you're, you're suggesting is ridiculous. I mean, honestly, uh, yeah, I don't know. The fact that they could name the, the beginning of the universe. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of where maybe where the craziness kind of started and, and maybe they can, and maybe, maybe it's correct. Uh, but I did, that was the, the, the impression I always had. Um, 
and that kind of brought that to mind. Yeah, that I, tell, I tell you what, Chris, I think you'll appreciate this as a father and any parents listening where I had a bit of a bittersweet moment as I was watching that video while I was sitting with my, my 18 week old little boy, Harry, <laughs> and um, he was holding my finger with his hand at just at the point where you said that nothing is actually touching anything else because of the atoms. And I just remember looking down at him holding my hand and thinking, He's not really holding my hand, is he? Like, and like, it was just one of those moments. I was like, ah, well, yeah, that's that's true. Science comes yeah. along and ruins it, but it, he, it, he is for us, you know. Yeah, that's it's, it at our, it's, it's at our real. level. It, it, I don't think you know knowing all these things doesn't nec- it's it doesn't make living less real. You know, for me, it makes it more uh, more real, I guess. But you know, I I treasure it more. You know, I kind of feel like the sand, you know, is, is running through. So I, I want to catch it. You know, I want to catch that information. You know, the information's going by. We're missing it. Um, well, Chris, we're going yeah. to get to listener questions. Um, sure. and, and just a second, I want to ask you one more thing before we get to those. Being relatively new, like May 31st, I think you've given us the date there where you really got involved in this topic properly and you've you've dived in head first, which is amazing. Um, what where, What are you most excited about? where we are in the conversation at the moment in terms of UFOs, UAPs. I, I was very excited. I, I mean, I'm, I'm brand new, right? Obviously, end of May. I, I don't know who anyone is still, you know? So, so now I'm just like trying to study, trying to, uh, trying to study. I was very impressed with the UAP report, actually. You know, the fact that they said those numbers, you, you know, because you, you know, you never say numbers because as soon as you say a number, you know, how much money you have, right? As soon as you say that, like people latch on, they, they, they assign that number to something. So they're very, you know, it had to get through all of those offices. So someone just like piled that thing through, you know, because really all it takes is one person to say, or one of those offices to say, no, don't put in this number. And now they're going to have some fight, you know, up at the, the higher level, whoever's going to, whoever's going to approve it at the final. Um, so the fact that that got through is, is I think seems like a, a new breakthrough. You know, if you look back, I don't, I don't think there's any large numbers saying that we have anomalous events since like Blue Book. Again, I'm, I'm very new, you know, but it seemed new to me. So that that was very exciting. Um, that was exciting. No sound. I, I get to say it to you this time, Andy, but uh, you're on mute. <laughs> I'm going. To, I am editing that one bit out. If you're not allowed, else. you have to leave <laughs> no. it in. That's that's the beauty of doing what I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, so listen, uh, we've had a lot of your time, Chris, I was just saying, and I want to get to these listener questions. Sure. I've got a few for you, and then we'll finish off on the quick fire round as well, which I'm interested in because being so new to the subject, I wonder if you've got an opinion yeah. formed yet on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, um, but Can I finish one point, though? I guess please, one yeah. point, Dan, you mentioned uh, before we get started, um, is about the, uh, the dimensions, right? Sure, I, I think yeah, if, yeah. It's so true, right? Even the words, we say dimensions. Um, but if you think about it, uh, getting to a larger dimension is ex- would be, with our current technology, impossible, right? Or getting to a smaller smaller dimension. We can affect it, right, with certain technological tools, um, but we can't, you know, transfer our perception down to, like, the quantum level, for instance, right? So that... That is where the d- the dimensions come in, where you would need like some sort of technology or a portal that can actually take your our size or somehow and maybe reorient. You know, maybe you can retune the frequency, <laughs> right? And now you can tune down your size. Um, and, and so, but it it needs some sort of portal. So we you still need a interdimensionary vehicle, you know, to get through. 
um, or to get extremely large. You know, imagine all of your, you know, whatever you, we are expanding, you know, into the, how would you even observe the outer universe? Uh, so it is a dimension, you know, it, it, it's just funny that we can see them. You know, I guess we're, we're, we're considering that another dimension will be something we can't really see into. Uh, but the only way, we, the only reason we can really see it is through this advanced technology um, that we've had. You know, electron microscope, you can't see an electron uh, because it's smaller than the wavelength of visible light, right? So the actual, you, can't, you can't film it with a camera. You have to use the size of an electron. So actually, they kind of like use Braille to actually like feel the top of the surface. Okay, so there's, there's other methods that we use to see into that dimension. But to actually go there uh, would require a portal. Right? But but we can affect it, and this is what I was kind of thinking: was maybe it's it, these are in, really interdimensional beings coming from other sizes, right? So imagine you have we have limitless, you know, you have seventy trillion cells in your body. I don't know, maybe one of those turns into some alien civilization. I, I don't know, uh, and then they're able to get bigger. But more than likely, it's the other way. If, if obviously this is just an idea, um, but from the larger. Uh, from the higher dimensions or larger dimensions, maybe they are like sticking a electron microscope in here and like feeling the size, you know, maybe that's why we get all these weird quantum effects or, or something, you know, probably less likely, but just a, a way to consider that those, th- there, there are dimensions <laughs> and that's how it works. So. That it, sounds like something you should be pitching to the Rick and Morty guys. <laughs> Rick and Morty. I, I was just, just going to say, yeah, it was the Rick and Morty car engine one, right? Uh, where yeah, they kind of go in that. the engine and then they go in another engine that was in the world made in that engine and it just kind of <laughs> keeps going. Um, but, it's probably not, right? It's probably just simple, like like it has been in the past. You know, we're probably yeah. just, yeah, that's what I that's what I would think. You, you've completely redefined a telescope for me now. I'm going to be looking through it thinking this isn't just, you, you know, cool, a bunch right? of glass. It, this is a dimensional window that I get to look through. It's crazy too, because Galileo, he saw the four moons of Jupiter. That was like his big uh, thing is he was the first one to see, um, you know, a moon of a foreign body. And so I was just messing around with my telescope, you know, or not a tele- it's a spotting scope actually. And I had it set up. Cause I was like, man, I think that's, I think that's Jupiter. You know, and I looked at it back in November and I saw the four, I saw four moons of Jupiter. You know, I took a picture with my iPhone. Um, and that was before all of this, just, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It was a precursor of what was to come. Um, mm-hmm. now listen, Dave had a question for you straight off the bat. And again, being new to the subject, answer it as best you can. What is your best guess of where these UAP craft are coming from? Do you think they have any operational centers? And if so, where do you think they could be located? Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it's a good one. You know, that, that reminds me, uh, what's that SNL? Remember, there was a Saturday Night Live where the guy's up there like Schwarzkopf, you know, and then like the uh, the reporter asks, you know, in, in like a terrible Middle Eastern accent, you know, he's like, where is your your troops? And can I go there and count them? You know, <laughs> you remember that? Uh, it's, it's so funny. Uh, I, I don't know. So, I, well, total guesses, right? Speculation completely. Um, like I said, if, if the hypothesis, it, if it is true, then what that would mean is it would depend on the environment we're in, but I don't think we're just floating out there waiting to get, get gobbled up by like some, you know, other floating amoeba or something. I think it's likely we're in a larger system. Uh, and what these UAPs are is uh, basically the same sort of interacting elements you would have in your body, you know, so there's things that bring nutrients. There's, you know, basically uh, T 
cells, keep out foreign invaders, you know, basically supporting, um, what would be supporting our planet, uh, because for some reason it provides some benefit to the, um, to the larger organism, right? Just like things in your body support each cell because it provides a benefit to the, to the larger organism. So if, if that crazy ass theory is correct by some miracle, uh, I, I would suspect that UAPs are like these higher, higher levels. So they should appear um, like these elements appear to us uh, would be police, right? So people in police uniforms um, come from the city, right? And so that is a higher dimensional uh, level. And the way, right? Because those people don't want to arrest you. I, I mean, I would assume, right? right? They they don't want to get shot at or you know do this dangerous job, um, but they do, right? They do. <laughs> so so why do they? Why? Well, they're forced by by the overall system that has created them, molded them, put them in that in that role. Uh, and so they come out. What it appears as is the police showing up at your door, right? Um, but the overall general system is it's it's creating order throughout the overall general system, right? If everyone's out there breaking the law, uh, running all of our traffic rules and, and everything, the, the, the overall system would, would, would start to fall. Um, so this is just a control mechanism. So the idea is uh, it would be interdimensional beings <clears throat> that are similar to our level. So that's why, you know, maybe why it's all humans or at least not humans, but there are you know, they appear hominoid in all the, all the accounts, right. Which seem always seem to me like too, you know, c- too convenient, you know, that, and that's another reason I kind of wrote it off is you see like, okay, in a spaceship, you know, we've been hearing about spaceships for decades. Uh, and then really they're going to look like that. You know, they're going to really have two eyes and, and, you know, two arms and two legs. And, uh, it just seemed too convenient to me. Uh, but this would kind of, feed into that. Whereas maybe it is uh, like a seed world essentially where, you know, we can grow on our own, uh, but there are certain basic pathways, you know, or maybe there's certain species out there. Uh, so you're, you're making, what... you're making me think of all these weird random things now that like, imagine the earth was a living thing in itself. And this is just the earth's immune system attacking us because we are some kind of virus against it. Like, exactly. But, yeah. It's like, we don't I, know, you know where what? COVID came from. Right. I mean, it's a crazy thought, but I mean, it's and that's it. solving a it's, lot of problems, a lot of overheating issues. You know, that was Lovelock's big thing. He wrote the, the guy. I love that. Uh, and what was he like a hundred? He wrote his last uh, book. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't remember. Superintelligence. I think it's what it's called. Uh, amazing book. But that was his main argument is that Gaia will, will continue the AI. We will have new machines here, new entities that we won't recognize. He said, they'll look ethereal in nature. Um, which sounds kind of <laughs> kind of familiar, uh, and he said that um, really the, the they'll they'll keep us around. He believes uh, because we will keep the planet from overheating. So basically, which kind of makes sense for the entropy argument, because if you look at entropy is always increasing in a normal system, uh, you can also kind of relate that as I don't know as heat maybe heat dispersing. Um, and so maybe heat dispersing is, is, is the problem. And so life is there to kind of counteract this, this heat. So that was Lovelock's kind of argument in Gaia or his last book after Gaia, uh, was that it will, will control the heat, which may be against the, uh, entropy. So that would also fill into the argument that life, uh, is for decreasing entropy. 
These could be some good chats on the listener call-in show yeah. that are coming up <laughs> soon as well. Um, Craig asks a question, has Chris reached out to any current pilots either in the Air Force or pilots you work with at NATO um, for any stories about UAP incidents? Not really, no. Um, any reason? Like, now now you've got the interest? Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, you scared to reach out, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> I The buddies I asked kind of on the side said, no, I haven't seen anything. Um, but yeah, I, I'll consider it, you know, that would be cool. I, it would be awesome to have people out. You're just, you're asking a lot, you know, the only person that's come out so far is, is really Ryan Graves and, and I believe someone else on the East coast. Um, but I don't know. I, I maybe I don't want to bother him. I'll ask. I'll ask. It's a good idea. And you know what? I think you, you've got that level of respect. It's not me with a UFO podcast reaching out to to a pilot I don't know or have any relationship with to ask them to appear on here and talk about UFOs. It's someone who else has served with them asking to come on and have a chat. And um, I, I've said one of Lou Elizondo's best interviews was with Terry Virts, the astronaut. Yes. And Terry, I don't know if you've seen it, but Terry isn't necessarily really interested in UFOs. Uh, and he's not actually a great interviewer. He's just naturally curious, and the level of respect that Lou has for him, the the questions Lou asked don't necessarily warrant the amount of information Lou gives Terry, and you can just see because of the respect Lou has for him, he talks about a lot of stuff where when you look back at it, and I suppose from an interviewer's point of view, I'm watching it going, he didn't ask Lou that, yet Lou's now talking about an incident where a huge island sized object appeared from underneath the ocean and swallowed a missile off of Puerto Rico. I'm really? like, huh. So, but just due to the, like I say, that, I think that military what? thing. What? Yeah, go, go, go and watch it, honestly. And again, people have asked and accent-wise people struggled. It's Terry Virts, V-I-R-T-S. Okay. Um, his YouTube channel. The interview with Lou Elizondo is pretty far down the list just because of the nature of that channel. UFOs aren't necessarily a big topic. So do scroll down it. It's one of the best interviews Lou Elizondo's done. Uh, is that the one you mentioned with Lou? Well. I remember you mentioned one when you talked to Lou. Is that, is that the one you, you mentioned? Yes, I, okay. I, that was the one, yeah. Okay, cool. I thought I wrote that down. But... And Dan, you were saying? Uh, I was just going to say Ter- Terry's super insightful. You know, he he's an astronaut. He uh, When he was on Joe Rogan, he spoke about kind of how ash- being an astronaut, it feels like you're constantly falling. And that was a quality I hadn't quite considered when I thought about, you know, being up in zero G, kind of constantly having to stop yourself, kind of grabbing something because your brain says you're falling, you know. Um, but yeah, he, he's a very good uh, human in interviewer, I would say. Yeah, he's no bias, which was great. And that really comes across in the interview as well, uh, which I enjoyed. So yeah, people should check that one out and, and yourself, Chris. Um, Chris, next question was from Agent Black. He said, first off, Chris's videos in the last few months are required viewing. He has some serious fans who may not be vocal on social media, but his work is crucial right now and I can't thank him enough. Um, and the question goes on, how do all you former pilots feel when debunkers who have little to no experience claim you can't identify basic objects given your state-of-the-art targeting equipment? And I suppose we, we kind of touched on this earlier a little bit. Yeah, I, I actually haven't talked to them. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll ask my buddies, actually. I live out in Portugal, you know, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um yeah. Do you th- do you think they would care, or is that something? I'm that sure even, uh, yeah, without yeah, a doubt, without a doubt. With your I mean, time I, in the I don't even, I mean, I don't even need to ask them. You know, <laughs> like I saw, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Uh, 
Yeah. To say what, well, and what he says, you know, when he, when he shows the go fast and he says it's a, it's a goose, he just doesn't realize how ridiculous it is, you know? And then I, and then I made that video and I, I keep getting hate comments from it, you know, cause Thunderfoot made a video aiming at, at that video. Uh, but I, I leave it up cause I, I don't know. I think a, I need the hate comments, uh, you know, just to like slap me awake again. Uh, and then, uh, but, but B, I think all the information is, it's not refuted, you know, <laughs> like they still think it's refuted. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I honestly don't care uh, what, you know, Thunderfoot thinks or what videos he makes at the end of the day, you know, and I really learned that from talking to Avi Loeb uh, or Mick West, you know, and, and that's Dad, why I don't, I don't know what Mick West is doing really. Cause I, I don't watch his videos. I'm really just so busy, you know, trying to think of stuff and investigate and watch other videos that I, that I care about, you know, it's really almost a waste of my time um, to engage with him, but, but I will, you know, if it's required or, or if he brings up a good point, you know, if he does bring up a good point uh, that can further the discussion or that can show me something else, it's, it's good motivation. Um, and last question from Charlie. He says at the recent AIAA conference, Ryan Graves, who you've just mentioned, presented some recommendations for air safety with mm-hmm. regard to UAP activity. What recommendations would you make? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't remember what he recommended. Uh, so, what would you do for safety? So basically, the way uh, that's a that's a tough question, right? There, there's there's basically three things you can do. You know, so you can you can affect it. The best way is to system affect it, right? You literally design out the problem. Um, so, uh, like, so that would work. Like, if there is a, uh, you know, there's an activity. Uh, say we knew there's UAP activity specifically in this east corner of the airspace, for instance. Um, so what you do is you just you don't go you lock off the east part of the airspace. You know, so you are um, you're making it so we physically can't inter- interact with them, right? That would be a si- kind of a systems design. It, it doesn't make as good a sense. The the better argument for systems design is like. Um, Pilots, when they go to reach the landing gear, since this switch is right under it, once in a while they hit it and it like blows up the whatever, you know, it causes some serious issue. Okay. I just made that up. I'm sure it happened in the past, right? This always happens. They build something to find out later. Um, so what the best way to do is to literally design out that switch, right? You, you take it out you put it somewhere else, you, you remove it, right? So it, it physically can't happen. But if that can't happen, then you, then you put like a little cage over it. You know, you're doing it like a duct tape fix. Uh, And then the weakest right until that happens is you just, you procedurally do it. So you just tell everybody, hey, (laughs) you know, don't hit this switch. Although you're never going to think of this while it's going on, but you you might get automatically ejected or something, you know? So procedurally. So I think all they've been able to do so far is just do procedurally. They say, hey, there's nodems out there and that's it. Because, you know, you have to, in order to avoid them, you'd have to know exactly where they are. Um, and it sounds like they don't know where they are. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd have to look more. So what I would do as, as safety would be go and investigate the 11, uh, close passes they had, look at those near misses. And really that's your, that's your safety point. Um, is that when they thought they were in danger or thought, thought something could have happened. And then you figure out how you can basically design that out of the system. Awesome. Cool. Um, so let's finish off on the quick fire round, Chris. Uh, let's see, you've been, you've been great with your time and it's been a lot sure. of fun talking to you as well. Um, the first one is, do you have any thoughts on the Bob Lazar story? Bob Lazar. Yeah, you know, I, 
I initially thought it was amazing. His, his, uh, all of his descriptions, like the gravity waves, how they work with microwaves used through waveguides, uh, the E115, um, all the, the actual chemistry physics he described, um, was amazing, you know? And then even like the, uh, all the secret stuff that maybe, uh, you know, I've, I've been through those programs, not that, not obviously not those programs, um, but, you know, I've been read in on other things. And, and so he's obviously done that before. You know, he's obviously knows the process or, you know, he seems to know it. Um, so it it all felt like real to me. You know, I, you know, of course, it, I was you know, again, it's been a three month like spin up for me. You know, so it's been like constant. Yeah. Uh, but then I really, you know, uh, and Kevin Knuth, he mentions again, you know, theories of everything. Kurt asked him uh, why he didn't believe Bob Lazar. And so Bob Lazar basically made the argument that there's not enough information in there. You know, it's basically um, not quite enough information to prove that it's valid. So he thinks it's not valid. And uh, so it seems like in the UAP community, they, they, they disregard it or they don't think it's, they don't think it's real. So I'd, I'd say uh, it's split. split. It's split. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think 50, 50 um, as to those who believe it and those who don't. Dan, what about, what about you? 50 to 115, I'd say. One one five. Lol. Uh, right. Next one is: What's your favorite UAP video? Favorite UAP video? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, uh, like of the three, I guess. Uh, do you know what? Yeah. I presumed that yeah. anyway, just with yeah. being can, newer. Can unless we include you've seen something? Aguadilla, and you, you know, anything you've looked at. I, I mean, the one that I just the most memorable for me is the gimbal. You know, that was just unbelievable. I can't believe it. You know, it looked because I couldn't find exactly what it looked like online. You know, it took me like literally 20 minutes. I just kept looking. And all I found was this uh, picture from 1952 uh, of of what I saw as the gimbal, you know, because it looks, you know, I've looked at it for so many hundreds of hours. It looks much clearer to me, whether it's not or whether it's fake or anything. Uh, it looks very clear. And and when when I went to find the thing that I thought I was looking at it, uh, the only picture I could find was from 1952, you know, which kind of blew my mind away. Like the memes have changed, you know, or like the memes didn't put the saucer there, you know, the, the, the classic saucer, which is what the gimbal was. So that one just, just blew me away. I, I mean, the Tic Tac's got to be, no one expected the Tic Tac, you know, I mean, what you could make up a lot of things, but really a Tic Tac thing that flips around and like <laughs> tumbles around. That's just crazy. So that. Yeah, that's the one that really changed my mind. The, the Nimitz, you know, that that opened it up that this was even possible was that Nimitz encounter, the way he he can relate it, and then all the supporting stuff. Kevin Day, you know, you go and watch Kevin Day did an amazing thing to make that happen. You know, everybody calls it like the Fravor incident, you know, and all that. But Kevin Day, man, he's the one vectored him over. So it should be called like the Kevin Day incident, you know, but anyway. I'm sure Kevin would appreciate that. He's a nice guy. Yeah, I want to um, talk to him. I don't know. I've been trying to meet up with Gary Voorhees. You know, I kept saying I do a Nimitz dive, and then but then I see there's so many interviews. So I've been like trying to watch all these interviews, all these interviews. I don't want to ask him the same questions. Uh, but hopefully I get him on. I want to get uh, get him on on, on one, maybe one uh, live stream. Again, Gary's a good guy. I was texting him last night as well. So yeah, I got on with Gary. Cool. Um, what's your thoughts on Skinwalker Ranch? I, I honestly just learned about Skinwalker Ranch like two days ago. <laughs> you know, I guess it's, so, it must be amazing friend. to you guys. Like, how do you? No, no. How do I, I not I know like all this, this stuff? I'm right. like, like Skinwalker Listen, Ranch. Because... I'd heard of it. I'd heard of people saying Skinwalker Ranch. I'm like, what? The f- is this like a you know like a like a brothel somewhere out in Las Vegas? <laughs> you know, is this, I, I have no idea. Like, literally, I literally thought, is it a brothel? You know, Chris. Uh, but let let me tell you, like, 
I I like you have a fresh perspective on it though, and <laughs> I, I mean extremely fresh. You've literally just opened the packet. Yeah. Like, but we we speak to people who are experts or who have a bias or who have been involved in it for. I mean, we've spoken to the owner, we've spoken to Brandon, we've spoken to Thomas Winterton and and Brian Arnold, who's security on on the ranch. So they've all got these really unique perspectives. But to speak to someone who is just dipping their toe in the water <laughs> of it, it'll be interesting to hear what your thoughts. Yeah, right now yeah. from the little you've heard but then do you know what in the future just to see as it develops like do you still think there is something going on multiple things going on or is it a bit of a damp squib but what what's your initial thoughts uh, i thought it was i watched travis taylor's uh interview um and it was amazing i was surprised by some of the comments you know uh, interesting was the gamma i was surprised by he had gamma radiation burns um, you know, gamma comes from the, it's the smallest wavelength actually, you know, so it's just so interesting. We're looking at, I don't know, maybe the largest wavelength creates the smallest or the, we have the, the largest wavelength and the smallest wavelength somehow are, are there, you know, or, uh, you know, if you have less than 20 Hertz infrasound, um, and then somehow you also have gamma radiation at the same place. Um, yeah, that was very interesting to me. I thought that was interesting. And then you hear about, uh, Lou Elizondo saying that, you know, he's everything. He's heard of everything at the Skinwalker Ranch. And then uh, Kevin Knuth in the interview I just watched last night saying he can't explain half the things. Um, so, yeah, sounds amazing. You know, um, let's do there's it. A few good, there's, 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 a few, there's a few good documentaries on it. Um, uh, Jeremy Corbell's documentary is good and covers a lot of ground. And there's a few more. I think Amazon Prime's got one on there as well. Um so yeah, there, there's plenty of content, and of course the the history channel show that we have, we have talked about a few times. Like, it, there are times where you're you're filming a dramatization at times of an ongoing scientific experiment. So it, you know, there's only so much digging a hole can be spread out over 45 minutes of an episode. Yeah. So maybe start with the documentaries, and then if you're really I was going to say digging it, but that's a pun. Um, if you're really like, enjoying the, the concept and the show and the history and the lore, then go into the show and start looking at that. And But yeah, documentaries are the, the good ones. The documentary is the best. Yeah, the Skidwalker Ranch documentary. Yeah, there, there's two There's two good ones to watch. I, oh. the uh, Something you touched on earlier when we were talking about sensors actually reminded me of something from Skinwalker. Um, in, in Maybe this will whet your appetite enough to jump into the show. But at one point, you they say that you're not meant to dig on the ranch and the bad things happen when you dig. So naturally, they start digging. Um, and when they do that, there a few people kind of far from the dig site have compasses and the compasses all start to point towards the dig site. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh-huh, right? <laughs> and yeah, you kind of yep. touched on that earlier. I thought it was worth throwing in. Oh, man, that's so awesome, yeah. That's the simplest Definitely. thing I could think of. Simplest. It's got to be it. Sorry. That's where, that's where Dan's good for his memory on this stuff, because I, I don't sir. remember anything like that. And uh, do you prefer the term UFO or UAP? Uh, I'm used to changing three-letter acronyms, so UAP sounds easier to say for me, I guess. Sounds cooler. It's like newer. We're all, you know, you got to rebrand. They do it every every like ten years. We get new uniforms in the military. It's just, uh, it's just terrible. Uh, and the last one, and again, this will interest me because you're so new to things. What does disclosure mean to you? Disclosure. I guess that would just be the government fully admitting that it has uh, extraterrestrial content or you know contact. There we go. Awesome. Listen, Chris, it's been great speaking with you. Before you go, do you mind just telling people how they can follow you and also find your work? Uh, yeah, the best is Chris Lato at, at YouTube. 
So just uh, L-E-H-T-O, spelled the finished way. Uh, I also have a Patreon that I've uh, just spinning up. I'm really enjoying it, figuring out how to use it still. But um, yeah, those are the two ways. So I try and keep it transparent is just just ads, ad revenue. I don't want to do any supporters or any of that uh, marketing stuff, you know, and then from Patreon. So uh, that's the only way I'm going to be funded, I think, in the future. Awesome. And I'll have all those links in the show description and as NFT well. NFT sales. Yeah. And NFT sales, yeah. yeah. And if you're listening, Brandon Fugel, that one NFT sale could make all the difference for, for uh, Chris's put venture space, going man. forward. Put it in space. I'll put it in space. Like right out in front, dude. 3D avatar. I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, watch the Skinwalker stuff and then get in touch with Brandon. Um, do you know what, Chris? Actually, I'll, I'll send you Brandon's email. Uh, awesome. You can get in touch with him. Um, but Chris, you, look man. forward to speaking to you again in the future as well. And Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And thank you, Chris. Excellent, guys. Oh, great to meet you. Um, yeah, anytime. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet, and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad-free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more Meditative game of state full on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz.
To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In a native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. You coming to bed, hon? Yep. Honey, I'll be right there. Just gotta turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.